On today's episode of Family Flowers Only, I talked to Thomas Kylie, husband to Angela and dad of Thomas J. Thomas and Angela were childhood sweethearts meeting in fourth class in school. And in September 2015, their world changed forever when Angela was diagnosed with inflammatory breast cancer. Angela had a long road and fought hard against the disease, but sadly passed away in 2019. Thomas spoke to me so honestly about his own personal grief and loss. We spoke about cancer, his own mental health journey, what it's like being a single dad to a grieving child and what he does to help him find joy in life and how important it is to talk. This is an important and heartfelt conversation and I hope you enjoy it. So hi Thomas, how are you? I'm good, how are you? You're very welcome to Galway. Thank you. You're up from Limerick. I am indeed. <laughs> um, you're obviously a Limerick man, like your accent is very Limerick, isn't it? Yeah, I'm <laughs> West Limerick, so I'm very close to the Kerry border as well. But I, oh, right. But I'm a Limerick person. Close enough to town called Abbeyfield. Timpiglanton is my village. Okay. Where I, oh, where lovely. I, where lovely. I'm from, where I live and okay. stuff like that. So I'm heavily involved with the, the village there and the grabs a soccer club. So. Oh, right. So you're a soccer man. Yeah. Well, oh, wow. You're a mixture. Yeah, mixture, yeah. I love, I'm <laughs> more of a GA yeah, man. I, I love my hurling. Do you like your horses, JP? No, no. <laughs> JP is no, your man down JP's there. JP is our man, but he's he's more involved in the hurling side of it yeah. that I love. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've been very successful, so. Yes, you have. Mm. <laughs> now, now this is continue. how bad I am now. Did you just win the All-Ireland? We did. This okay, is con- a fourth one Congratulations. In fourth one in a row, so. Wow. Mm. Um, so... So obviously you're here today, you've travelled up um, to chat with me and we're going to talk obviously about your wonderful wife, um, Angela. And, you know, I always love to hear, you know, about the person I want to hear all about her and what she was like. So I know that you guys met when you were very young. So could you take me back to that? Where did you guys meet? Yeah, so it's um, we went to our primary school together. I, I moved from a different town to Timbiglanton and I started in four class and she was in the same class as me. Wow. Uh, so that's where we met, I suppose, and we we would have talked and stuff like that, but we wouldn't wouldn't have envisaged what have happened a few yeah. years later, you know. Um so yeah, so I suppose two thousand and one is when we started officially dating the fifteenth of July two thousand and one. So that's a a long time ago, you know. Um I was sixteen, she was fifteen. Um, wow. Yeah. It's you know, I suppose thinking back then, it's it's mad, you know, but it, it was. It is mad, yeah. Uh, wow. We were childhood sweethearts up until the very end, you know. Um, but yeah, we met, like, we obviously got talking and stuff like that, and usual. I didn't clue what was going on. But, <laughs> but you were so young then. We were like, young, yeah. So look, what we, we 16 or 15 year old knows how to put any emotions into words. <laughs> yeah, we hadn't a clue. Um, yeah. and so you were dating then? Dating, yeah. So we were dating away and it went on smoothly and there was ups and downs like any relationship. And look, we grew up together. There was a lot of ups and downs, obviously. So you dated for a while and then you separated, you took a break. Uh, yeah, I, I had a midlife crisis in I love 2000, uh, 2005. Yeah. Um, the only regret I ever have in my relationship is, is that. You took uh, a, a break. I, yeah, I took a, a break. While. For about a month, a week and a half, she kept reminding me every day. But it was, look, it was... It's probably know. the making of you in a way. I was, look, I, I started a new job and things like that. And, you know, I got, I don't know, I always thought the grass was greener on the other side yes. or something, but it wasn't greener. It was worse. So, the rest is... Uh, you only had a short... You only broke up for what, a month? About a month, yeah. I mean, that's nothing. <laughs> no, it's not. But she kept <laughs> reminding me, but it's fine. So you got back together and... Um, how long before you decided to get married? You went to college together first of all. We went to all. college uh, around, but just before we broke up actually, yeah, for that year. Um, I did computer programming, she did uh, childcare. 
And you lived together? Yeah, we lived together. So it was our first time living together as well. So it was all new and enjoying, you know, and like any young couple, it was scraping the pennies and Mm. going to McDonald's to get the the, the euro saver. uh, What was she like as a person? Andrew was amazing. Um, I suppose if you knew her, she was, the you know, she was always there for you. She was just amazing. I, I... I can't say enough about her, I suppose, in a sense, like I'm lucky that my son is very like her in that way, mm. you know, he, you know, but she was just amazing. Yeah. An amazing woman. I, I I was blessed to, I suppose, marry her and marry my best friend, really, you know. So what was um, her career was childcare, was it? Childcare, yeah. yeah. And she loved it. She loved it. Yeah. Like she had that lovely nature of anyway, you know, and all the parents and kids loved her, you know, mm. Um and then obviously when she became a mother, she was, it was natural to her, you know. Mm. Um, so take me back then to, um, you decide to, you finish college, you decide to get married first. So we got engaged and then we gave ourselves, I think, three years because we said we'd get married in our 10th anniversary of being together. But we actually got married the day after, which was the 16th of July, 2011. Mm. Um, so you're 10 years together and you um, have finally got married and I suppose you're probably so happy as you say it's just everything has worked out and you're you're yeah we were like we were so happy on the day like I, I've been at weddings where you see the, the the couples and they're stressed and they're panicking and we were so relaxed mm. because we wanted to be happy and we you know not that we wanted to be we were happy and we were you know this it wasn't was about the the, the fanfare pr- that no, goes with no. it we, yeah. it was more about know, the marriage obviously yeah, it was more about us and we were going to have a great day um, as we both said the only regret we ever did was we should have got married earlier instead of well, I think we got married around one o'clock but y- you know um, mm. so you had a lovely day yeah and so then after that what uh, was kind of the next course of your life what I suppose uh, not long after that um, Andrew's sister's partner died in a road accident which was very devastating for the family you know of course um, yeah and Angela herself obviously was devastated yeah she was devastated because I suppose herself and her, si- her sisters are very close as a family there's yeah. three of them there there's three girls um, and they're very close you know so they would it was very hard on them you know and mm. they, so that was I think 11 weeks after we got married wow. you know so there was that Such you know tragedy yeah. yeah and then I suppose in October I think then um, we obviously found out that we were expecting you know um, wow! Yeah. So that c- so the following October after you got married, you find out you're yeah, expecting. literally as, as oh, someone wow. as someone mentioned to me like a honeymoon baby, you know that was what <laughs> someone <laughs> if mentioned. We do to the math, so it's about y- nine months, is it? Far <laughs> off it. Um, and so she was uh, obviously a healthy woman, and then um, you know her pregnancy went okay. Pregnancy went perfect. Yeah, it was mm. not a bother. She was she sailed through the through it. You know, um, I remember the morning he was born um, at. I think at half six her waters broke mm. and at 11.54 that morning he was born. God, that was quick for the first. She was nine centimetres dilated when we arrived at the hospital. You're joking. So she had no pain relief when he gas in the air. <gasps> so. Oh my God. Yeah. He came into the world fast and furious. He came in fairly fast. Um, wow. I, I, I remember as well I caught it the card and everything I was there. Wow. Uh, she had to go up to theatre afterwards. Um, and he, you called him? Thomas J. Thomas J. So Thomas yeah. and James is named after Andrew's sister's partner who ah, died in a road accident. Lovely, so, lovely. so he was uh, obviously a very special little boy. And, it, it, you know, after tragedies like that, a little life can bring so much joy into the world. Yeah, look, he, he cha- as I said, he changed our world Your forever. World, you know, yeah. my world, obviously, because, you know, becoming a daddy, it changes you as well. Like, you know, there's that bond that I still have today, to mm. him, you know. But um, Andrew's amazing, man. 
you know, she was so relaxed. So we both, I suppose, look, and it rubbed off me because, you know, I'd never, mm. if you gave me a child a year before, I would have held it out like it was a bag of rubbish, you know. <laughs> That's the truth because I, I, I just had no interest. In you wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. No, exactly. It's like you know, am I holding it right? Whereas when it's your own, you're handed it in the hospital and you're feeding it and burping within an hour Minutes, of it being, yeah. you know, delivered. It. So tell me about Angela then, as a mom. She was obviously oh, she was amazing. Beside amazing. herself with happiness. Yeah, she was like you know, yeah. and she, you know, she was just, she was just brilliant. You know, so she like I was working, so she was at home the whole time. You know, but we had a great. I, I think we both had a great. Um, know togetherness we, we were doing the same thing together you know we weren't going against each other no there was nights where we <laughs> where it was tough don't get me wrong we were, mm. um but like she was just brilliant you know like it's just funny isn't it when you look back on things and hindsight is wonderful but you know you probably you realize now that you had it all everything was and it was just the small things yeah wasn't it? and yeah that was it i think i, I mentioned you yeah. talking to you off air that that um you know, small things matter to us. We didn't, we weren't in for the fancy holidays, the big, you know, yeah. house. We were happy. We were renting away. We didn't care about owning the mansion. Yeah. yeah, you know. You were happy with your lot. Yeah. Exactly, you know, and, and that's the way we were, like, you know. So, um, Angela, I, I'm presuming now, never had any health issues? No, she was, um, like, Angela was one that if there was something bothering her, she'd go to the doctor, mm. you know, and that was her, like, you know, whereas I, like, like us, like us men, we don't uh, stall a little bit. Yeah, you know. But Angela was the one that would worry about things, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I suppose moving forward, to the mm-hmm. obviously Tom Shea grew up and he went to, you know, he was he was brilliant. Um, and then 2015, it was I suppose the year that changed for us for everything, really. You know, um, um, my birthday was the sixth of February. Hmm. I was 30 so we had a little do at the house and it was lovely you know and the Sunday night that I think it was Sunday night yeah that she felt a lump in her breast and uh, she uh, as I said Angela's a warrior so she would have you know got it done she went to the doctor and um, doctor didn't think it was anything and you know Angela put it at ease you know um, so fast forward I suppose that year her mom sadly died, got sick in June and, and died in June you know the short illness which really impacted her massively um, because they were close they were really close and obviously you know that impact massively on Angela when, when she died mm, you know God yeah um, and th- that was that was difficult you know um, hard for you to imagine trying to support her and yeah, there's nothing was, you can do to fix it yeah there's nothing you can do you know um, even previous to that I, I suppose her dad was diagnosed with cancer mm. previous to that as well um, but that was another thing she had to deal with before her mom died, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So then, obviously, her mom dying, and, and there was the awful anxiety and grief that she had. Yeah, sure. But that was short lived because September twenty second, two thousand and fifteen, our our worlds changed forever. You know. So, um, tell it. Can you tell me about that day and what happened? I, I can remember the day as clear as if it was yesterday. Mm. Um, it was in Limerick Hospital, um, in a small room, very very small room, like where we were told. But before that, like the whole day that we were there, Angie was kept telling me I have cancer, and I, and I genuinely told her, look, you don't, you're fine, don't be worrying about that, you know. And that was just me. I was very kind of assuring to her, you know, but. She knew. She knew the type of cancer she had. She knew that 
obviously she had googled it um mm. that she didn't tell me but um of course she did though wouldn't, you know wouldn't we all yeah you know um but this was on, on that day and and she was telling me that you know i have i had this type of cancer and obviously since february to september the lump had changed dramatically mm. you know um it had become you know I can't even name it now off the top of my head, but it had really aggressive. Yeah, you know, it's um, it, like it, it, it got just, it just got bigger. Yeah, it progressed. You know, um, and so did she go back to the GP and and so get she, referred? Yeah, so I suppose after her mom dying, she changed GP and went to a different GP. And mm-hmm. again, that GP didn't think it was anything, mm-hmm. but she referred her to the breast clinic um, just to get it double checked. And within a few weeks or a few, maybe a month, maybe. She went back to the doctor again and, and doctor had seen that it, it had changed as well. So she rang up the clinic as well just to speed up the yeah. the process, you know. Um, so then, obviously, 22nd of September 2015 was the, the day of the appointment. Um, she was biopsied, um, scanned, met, you know, met, I suppose, met the, the breast surgeon, I suppose, or the breast Consultants. consultant, mm. I suppose they're called, you know, and without having any official results, we were told that it's more than likely breast cancer, you know. Mm. So it was a small room. It's a lot smaller than this it's room we're yeah, in. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. Um, What's that moment like? Oh, it's horrendous. You know, I, I didn't know, you know, I suppose we'll get to that soon, but mm. emotions and feelings like that, it, I wasn't... Used to that. Wasn't used to that. Mm. You know, I was just devastated for Angela because she didn't deserve it. No one deserves it, but she didn't deserve it. You know, as, as her partner, it was... It was horrendous, mm. it was horrendous. I'll, I'll never, you know, coming out of that room and I remember the journey home. It was horrendous, you know. And you have a little boy at home, so obviously you're so fearful straight away. Yeah. Of what's going to happen? Yeah. You know, you, that was the first thing that came into her head. Obviously, she, you know, I suppose Angela was, had her written, her, had herself written off straight away, you know, got, mm. you know, and I suppose then, you know, as we got home and, and the first thing she did was visit the grave where her mum was. You know, and then obviously telling the family was was um, was horrendous. You know, you're not that it was horrendous for you know it was just, I suppose, shock. Really, you know, you're telling people that, you know, she was twenty eight or twenty nine diagnosed. You know, it's surreal. It's shocking. It's, yeah. sho- it's shocking. Surreal. You know, and I suppose uh, we always used to say, you know, oh, someone will always be affected by cancer, and you never, I suppose, we never believe that it's going to be us. Yeah, sure. So what, um, did they have a plan for her from the first diagnosis? So when she was diagnosed, obviously scans came back, confirmed that it was, it was cancer, breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I can't think of the name of it. I suppose what we heard was they were treating it to be cured. Okay. And you pick up on that. Yeah, of course. And you live off that. Mm. You know, you never. It's going to be cured. Yeah. So I suppose that's what kept Angela going for, you know, 12 months, maybe less even, you know, that. Yeah. She was doing it to be cured. She knew okay. that the chemo, which was horrendous. Yeah. The the, the mastectomy on, you know, in the following March um, to radiotherapy every day for 32 days or something like that, you know, and the scars after that. Um, excuse me. It's so harsh on the body, isn't it? Oh, it was horrendous on her, you know, and I've, I had pictures on my phone that I don't think I'd ever show anyone because the blisters, the, the, and the just everything that was horrendous, you yeah. know. But she just, you know what she was just uh, this is why I never complain is because she was just unreal like you know obviously she complained to me but 
there was days there where she wouldn't be fit to go out the door, but she'd do it because maybe he helped her, you know. Um, so she was brilliant through it all. As I said, she had her diagnosis. Um, she had the, the chemotherapy, which was horrendous. Um, the mastectomy in March, and obviously the the um the radiotherapy after that. And she was still on getting these injections as part of the treatment. Mm. I think they finished in August, mm-hmm. and around that time we were briefly told that look you're cancer free you know um so you were obviously you, you believe, feeling like yeah, we've you, taken a few steps forward yeah. here and then we're sort of leaving it behind us yeah you believe that that's the okay, hope there's a positive you know and then you pick up on them things you know you never think what's down what's around the corner did you see like maybe a spark in her at that point going oh like i've come through yeah, this a little we, bit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah definitely both of, you. both of us yeah yeah like more so her you know because I wish to let clue out to deal with emotion. So <laughs> for her, it was it was definitely you could see her. She was, you know, she was delighted that, you know, she had put all that crap behind her, that chemo, that sickness, everything so much attached to, you know, cancer. I, I always say to people like cancer, you get over the diagnosis of cancer. It's what it what it follows with it, the yeah. treatment, everything else, the medication, the pain, all that. Yeah, that's what diagnosis is only just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, exactly. It's mm. it's the everything else that follows is the hardest part, really, you know. Um, and so she obviously got a breather then and no treatment and things like that for a very little while. And then what happened? Once once she finished her last injection, she started to get these kind of, I suppose, blisters on her on her where she had the mastectomy. Mm hmm. And it was, we were up and down to the breast clinic and we thought it was shingle sometimes, you know, they thought it was just an infection and, and then there wasn't a plan in place for the surgeon to go in again and just remove more of the, the breast tissue, I suppose, and, and whatever else that might have been there because I think the surgeon, the surgery wasn't as successful as we hoped, yeah. as hoped or were told, you, you know, so. Okay. Um. So there was a plan in place. For a Monday, I can't remember what date exactly in October that, you know, we'll go for that surgery on that day. However, we'll send you to St. James's in Dublin for, I think it's a PET scan, they call it. I think it's a PET scan. Yeah. Scan. They don't do it in Limerick, I think. So it was That's where they scan your whole body. Whole body. Mm. Um, to see if it had it gone anywhere else. Because um, she, she was uncomfortable and it was in pain, you know, and we didn't know, but they probably knew that there was something there, you know. Um, it's funny too, isn't it, how they don't really tell you. Yeah, you, it's you look back and you think, oh God, they knew. The thing is, I suppose, if I was telling anyone on a journey, is keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. So then, I suppose, back to St James's, and that was done. She, um, we had an appointment. The results were back, and we went into the, the breast clinic in, in Limerick, and um, walked in a room again. The room was slightly better because it was a new building, and been told it was stage four. It was, it was, you know, that was it. It had spread to. I think it spread to her lungs and, and certain other parts, you know. Um, and again, you just don't know what to say. You know, you don't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do, you know, and that's not me lying. You know, I just comfort Angela. And Did you feel like you kind of blocked out your own emotions? In yeah, that oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Could you feel that you were doing it at the time? Or no, no. It was just, a, it was it just was your just instinct. Natural, yeah, natural to me at that time. Yeah. Just don't go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we'll, we'll come to that soon. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> but okay. But she, you know, again... That was 2016, like, and it was, that was, you know, being told that stage four, literally, you've no. And how did she react to that? Back, oh, crumbled this. down, back yeah. all the way down to the bottom back again. Back to the bottom again, you know. Um, hmm. The fear again, is there a plan? 
you know, will I have a plan? And the plan obviously was just to keep it at bay as best it could and scan it every couple of months and hopefully that everything will stay the same, that nothing goes up and nothing goes down, you know, that the cancer's staying steady mm. and that there's no chemo just to keep Did it. Did you go back on to chemo then? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there was like again so harsh on the body oh, again. I'm sorry. The chemo was she was on so many of them. I, I, I lost count. Yeah. You know, some worked, some didn't yeah. Was she doing it in the hospital or could she do it at home? She did it in the hospital. She couldn't work, obviously. I was working, but I was very lucky to work the company I was working for. They were brilliant to me. Um, yeah. It gave me the chance to be able to be there for Angela. Yeah. You know, and I'm... Brilliant you got the um, chance yeah, yeah. to be with her. Um, and I was there every, you know, every treatment. Every, were you? Yeah. You know. Um, That's incredible. Well, I wanted to because at the end of the day, you know, I was her husband. I wanted to be there for his water, you know. yeah. It's a hard journey. And yeah. if I couldn't be there for her, it was, you know. And then obviously you mentioned Thomas J. And I suppose he grew up a lot quicker than, he's grown up a lot quicker than kids should have to at his age. You know, mm-hmm. he grew up now. I was, we were so lucky with the people that helped him and looked after him. We were so, it helped us, you know, that God forbid if we'd go to hospital any time that we had support, you know, that there was someone there to look after him, that he was happy. You know, mm-hmm. and that was the key thing. And we were very open about the cancer. Mm. you know some people will say oh you shouldn't have and some people say you should but we were very open about it because I suppose telling him that your cancer word as well was more important because if you were in the schoolyard or something like that or anywhere and someone could mention oh someone's no not yeah. that they know but they could say oh my mommy died from cancer there's that thing that comes into his head oh that happened to my mommy even though we told him that she was sick she might never get better but she's getting treatment to help her stay alive for as long as we could you know so you, that was our reason for it you know and I suppose look it was just the three of us uh, you know so he was bound yeah. to you know he knows he, and look yeah. he's a cute he's he's tuned in <laughs> so he, yeah he's tuned in with everyone so he knew that things were going yeah. on and he was what three when she was diagnosed you know wow. so so young he grew up with it he's grown yeah. up with cancer so he knows no no different really you know so she was obviously now at this stage back on the chemo mm. again and going through the wars, mm. trying to to keep it at bay. And how did that progress? It was going okay mm. um, until 2017. Mm. Um, St. Patrick's Day, March 2017. She, she had chemo the day before. That was on the Friday. So she came on the Thursday and the Friday. Now she had a port in, um, which is they give you the chemo through because she very bad veins she had that port put in but she was always complaining about it it was just always causing her trouble mm. and she just wasn't really happy with, with the whole thing but anyway we, they were looking at it and they were looked at it every time she was in for chemo they were keeping on it and, and dress it and clean it and all the usual but in the meantime that I suppose that day before Thursday she had chemo but on the Friday morning she was unwell it was the first time witnessing her really unwell and it was I suppose I had to, the first thing I, you know, we said we'll drive down to the hospital. Um, no, I wasn't driving, so it was a case of getting my parents <laughs> to drive down. But mm. she was too unwell, so I had to ring an ambulance. Um, the same day, Thomas J was going with a friend of ours to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. So I was very conscious of the whole thing. He wanted to come in and see mommy. Mommy was too unwell. She was getting sick. And I wanted to keep him out. And He always reminds me of that, that, that he remembers that, that you would let me come in and see mommy. Uh, you know, and I was protecting wow. him and I was protecting mommy that, you know. That, uh, of look, course. As a parent, you try and do the best you can. You thought you were doing the best thing. But, you know, he he often mentions it 
from wow. time to time. You know, it's amazing. It is amazing, yeah. Um, which was whatever, nearly six years ago now. Um, but yeah, that day she was really, really unwell. Uh, and then we arrived in Limerick Hospital. Um, and into into A and E where everyone else was considering she was a cancer patient. Um, and there was everyone there. Uh, as you can imagine, St Patrick's Day there was. Yeah. You know, so she was put into this little place and she was really, really unwell and they were trying to get a room for her and all this. Eventually she got a room. She was in there for, I think, close to, oh, I might be wrong here, saying 12 or 14 nights maybe. Wow. She was so unwell and we didn't know this at the time. We did it, found it out by default that she had sepsis. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a funny story. You found it. out Yeah, after. by Well, she was going down for an x-ray and um, the nurse that was or the whoever it was taking her down and she was like oh you're the girl with the sepsis and Andrew was like no 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 you are looked in the chart so that's how she found out she was like sepsis I suppose the reason and I'm not going to go into too much no, details but I there's know, obviously oh, it was it was crazy you know that the cancer didn't couldn't the cancer might have killed her but sepsis nearly did Absolutely. You just you know, got her well and she came home. She came home, yeah. I brought in Thomas J one day to her. I can't remember when. It might have been Mother's Day, maybe. Hmm. I think Mother's Day might have been around that time. So I brought hmm. her in. I had asked the hostel if I could just bring him in for a few minutes just to pick her up. And she wasn't expecting this. And uh, he came in. Sure, he was delighted. He got, she had a bottle of 7-Up. So he got 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that, that. That, you know, he was only taking. And she had these load of, um, I suppose we call them, lines coming out of her neck because mm. it was the only place they could get veins so he was looking at them and he was asking questions about them you know and we were just saying that's where they get the medicine because they can't get it anywhere else and uh, so she was, look that was a I suppose a positive thing that you know he came Special, in yeah. yeah came in and, and it lifted her to see him yeah exactly and obviously and just the biggest thing whenever she went into hospital was to get home to see Thomas J or key was to get home to Thomas J or mm. as she used to say get home to her boys but Realistically, it was Thomas J. She was sick of me that stage. Mm, I don't know. No. <laughs> you know, so I you suppose... Were, you were her world, obviously. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Look, she, we were we were so close together, you know, as to we, we were childhood sweethearts. So we mm. were, we grew up together. We, we you know, we, as I said, like any couple of went through loads of different things. But, you know, I think the cancer diagnosis, it actually brought, brought us cl- closer. Yeah. And I've been told by doctors and sort of that, that sometimes even separate, you know, Mm. people just go their separate ways because mm-hmm. they can't handle it mm. never came into my mind Andrew did mention to me you know if you ever want to go away I, I don't blame you you know and I used to tell her she was mad you know because I had no interest it wasn't why would I you know it made no sense she to was your life yeah exactly you know um, but yeah so that's that's kind of so weird so when she came out after the sepsis yeah so she continued her treatment um, she was doing good she's doing okay um we were continuing the same hospital and we continued on until Christmas 2017 I think was the crossroads really where we wanted to try something try a different place and try we, we were aware of this other consultant in a different hospital we decided um, to change hospitals and, and travel to which was a lot farther away travel but fair enough I, I do believe you know for herself it, it gave her an extra couple of years yeah, well, you know, um, yeah, I think more people need to do that. Yeah. More people need to start questioning things. I I agree. Um, like yeah. obviously for us, it was handy to drive in out. Yeah, forty minutes, half an hour, forty minutes. Mm. We were adding. We were probably an hour and a half to go to the other place. Yeah, 
But you do it anyway. But we did it. And yeah. it's amazing how different it was. How I I remember one appointment in one hospital mm. to see the, the oncologist. We waited, I think we waited two hours. Bear in mind, she was a cancer patient. Mm-hmm. We waited two hours to see this consultant. We spent six minutes inside. I timed it because I just wanted to see how long we were inside. Six minutes. I know. So when we moved hospitals. That's totally <sighs> inadequate yeah. for a person's health. That's yeah. six minutes off you go. Because obviously she Nuts. was tired inside for two hours sitting down. And then yeah. when she got in, she wasn't able to ask the questions. She, she just wanted to go home to her baby. You know, just get home because you're sick of hospitals. But when we went down to the other hospital and if you went into the consultant's room, you could have been inside five hours and you felt like you were his only patient. Wow. He was amazing, man. And then... That means so much. It was amazing. And she always, you know, always felt safe with him and comfortable and always, you know, it helped her. Yeah. In the final few years, you know, um, even though the same outcome was always that she was never going to survive it. Yeah, listen, I relate to that so much, so much. And like, I think... Doctors are, are at the end of the day, they're not God. They, they can't they can't fix. They can't. It's not up to them what the body does. It's not up to them. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying yeah. in that, you know, you really need to feel that someone's really trying their best for you yeah. and they are willing you to live. Mm. That's really important to someone. It is like I use the word a lot lately, empty, you know. Yes, me too. It's It's something that very few people have. Mm. very few you know normal people will call them even you know but doesn't come natural to a lot it of doesn't people. no mm. you know and I think if, if and that's why I said this doctor I just think he was just was all over in every in, there was different hospitals in this area like so he was in every different hospital and like he had thousands of patients he had a young family he, you know he was a busy man he was stuck in a lot of cancer trials stuff like that but he still always made time wow you know, and that that's special. It was special, and they mm. always made her. You know, and and she built a bond with with the nurses. There was one nurse in particular that she she built a bond with, and they both had a love for Fair City. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I used to be like, oh my god, they oh, used to be oh, talking oh, about Fair oh. City as if it was life, and like this, that's not real life. <laughs> uh, I used to get given out to, but you know, and that was oh. that was the little things that you know she used to look forward to meeting this nurse, and they'd be talking, I'd be like, oh, let's, I'm going away. <laughs> um, but you know that. Going there helped us. Obviously, she got sick, and you know some cancer or treatments didn't work. But he always, he always had a plan. The man with the plan, yeah. yeah. You know, and and you need one of them in your corner. He never said no. You know, he never said that. like an Angie. We used to go in, and we used to be like, you know, will he have a plan now? Is this it? But he always had a plan. He always said, look, okay, we'll try this. But you often hear of people describing cancer um, as a battle, my battle with cancer, my mm. fight against cancer, because essentially that's what it is. But how that person uh, is in terms of their own levels of hope and um, fight that they have in them, um, it, it's like the impact a doctor has in in helping you to go, come on, we, we can do this. And, mm. and then sometimes I feel, you know, kind of I'm cautious in that because you know my own sister died from cancer mm. and I remember someone saying you know I, I remember someone speaking about a family member who kind of overcame it and they said to me um, they just they had they, they had so much fight that they were not going to let it 
beat them. And to me, I'm like, well, my sister had fight too. Mm. You know, yeah. it upset me a lot because I thought, you know, it's out of your hands. But I'm just saying in terms of like hope mm. to have a doctor there that's like, come on, let's keep going, keep going, keep going. It does play into the cancer journey as well. Like Angela could have given up in 2017. I always say this, she used to keep going for Thomas J. Yeah, yeah. She was the, he was the one that kept her going. Mm. She wanted to see him go on school the very first day of school. Yeah. Her last wish, which unfortunately she didn't get to see, was to see him get his communion. Mm. That's... So hard. So hard. It's one of the most emotional things I, I speak about, to be honest. Um, you can see me getting emotional That's about okay. it. That's okay. I never, kills you know, like. yeah. You know, because that was her last, one of her last wishes because she knew that the journey she was on was a short one, you know, and she didn't obviously get to see him, but, um, but yeah, it was, it's, they don't give up the fight. I, I think that's, you know, that's the key thing, like Andrew never stopped fighting. So let's maybe go back to, she's working with this consultant mm. and um, I suppose when do things start to change for the worst? The end, I suppose, summer, I suppose October, n- October in 2019 is when it's the first time I felt and, and I said it to Andrew it's the first time I felt there's something different here right I just you know I suppose they were running out of options I suppose that mm. that, they, that they had mm-hmm. you know um, they were waiting for the stroke to come through and they were giving her look they, they were giving her you know another go but October you know she was starting the cancer was starting to get very aggressive Um it was really spreading. It was being, you know, treated every day. It was being cleaned every day, you know. So there was that time from, I suppose, September, October 2019, it really started to kind of take it down, you know. And I just, as I said to you, I remember meeting, being in the room with her when the nurse, who she was friendly with, um, I just, I said to Angela going, oh, I don't know, there's something different today, I said, you know, and I just felt that, they knew that I suppose they knew that the cancer was spreading they were trying their best to do everything you know and they did I, I never I have a bad word to say about them you know I mm-hmm. never they were still you know they were still belief I suppose within the whole that circle that you know if she gets better she can still go for treatment you know okay so so she had obviously had been in the hospital and they were waiting on this drug to come through So, but, but because she's so unwell you moved to hospice just for some care so yeah so I suppose mm-hmm. in November 2019 um, her pain was getting really really worse you know the pain medication wasn't doing the job it was she was screaming in pain it was it was horrendous I I, I try and blank it out of my mind because it was it was horrendous you know I remember the pain she was in and it was hard because Thomas Shea was there as well and it was so difficult trying to manage it all trying to keep him away from it at the same time no there was days where she was okay but then there was days where she was just in pain. Like she was being treated, you know, the pain was being, pain medication, they were being chopping and changing to see if this would work, that would work. So then on the 13th of November, my dad's birthday, I think it is, um, we got a, you know, we got a room in Milford Care Centre in, in Limerick. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, most yeah. amazing place. Um, and Angela was happy to go, she wanted to go in there? Yeah. I mentioned previously about wanting to come home. It was the first time she ever went into the hospital without no talk of coming home. Okay. The pain, you see. She. It was the first time that she never said, oh, I can't wait to get home. She was. Uh, it was where she, I knew she was, she was at peace. So she went down on Wednesday. 
she had a porn off my Wednesday night and I went in Thursday morning and I remember seeing her bed and I turned around to myself and I said she's not coming home and I I didn't tell anyone obviously because it was not my you know I didn't want to be upsetting everyone because they wouldn't they wouldn't be able for it you know and um, she was amazing she fought, she fought she had an amazing heart and, and that was what kept her going to the end you know um, but Milford were brilliant they were they um, they looked after her so well she was still in pain like she was even when she was out of it even she was you know in, in a you know sleeping as I call it she was still in pain because you'd hear her every now and then she'd have pain and you know but they were brilliant they, they looked they they treat her with so much respect you know they used to dress her and they used to talk to her and all them little things and obviously I got to know them and I suppose for first few nights I was going home because I wanted to be with Thomas J because it was so hard being yeah. away from him because obviously he was asking questions you know and um, sorry I'm getting emotional talking about it but that's that's perfectly fine um, and then I'll always remember I remember asking the nurse or the doctor the head doctor I said look I know the answer I said but Angela's not coming home is she and she was like no I don't think so and you know I suppose knowing it then it was kind of like okay no, I have to kind of start telling people that right she's not going to know you know and it was for you though I was horrendous and I remember the social worker came in and she again all of the Milford team were brilliant to me you know and I remember the social worker coming in and she spoke about Thomas J because obviously he was he had to be told and she just you know she said look this one you can tell him the sooner he'll come down and he'll have you know his moments with her and I went home one evening and I picked him up off a neighbour a friend of ours sorry um, and a neighbour and <sighs> driving up in the car we were just chatting away and I just looked down the mommy's not coming home and she's going to die and it was the hardest thing I've ever done sorry the <laughs> It was the hardest thing I ever done in in the journey, and we both cried. Obviously, we both cried in the car. We both hugged, and we were both angry, obviously, because of what was ahead, you know. And as as kids are, as Thomas says, you know, he kind of like he, he'd bring you on. He'd be talking about something random, you know. And as kids do, they 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 try and put it in their own head what's going on, you know. And you know, he was he was so young to be telling to be told it but at the same time I wanted to come for me rather than him hearing it down the road you know um, so once I had that done I suppose it was you know obviously I told my other family members and stuff like that and, and taught Angela's sisters and her aunts and her dad and stuff like that you know and it was it was a tough time being in there you know but at the same time I was I was glad I was able to be there with her I was there with her till the very end obviously and her sisters were there her aunt was there her dad used to come down every day my parents used to come and I tried to limit limit the amount of people that used to come and, and come in because you know it's a lot, it's a lot you know um, there was a few funny stories um, during that time yeah yeah one of the last times that Andrew was able to eat um, she was funny story her, she was always looking after her dad you know she was but this night anyway, she got a lovely fry and I was starving now as well so I was like right so she says to me, and quite, you'll pass me a plate. And her dad and her sisters were there. And, stuff like that. 
She said, will you pass me a plate? I was just, oh, I love not getting something here now. So I passed her the plate and I could see her putting stuff on the thing. I was like, oh, lovely. I'm starving. <laughs> Next week she says, will you give that to my dad? You know, and I gave it to her dad and <laughs> I didn't get any food. I went, to, <laughs> I went to Super Max down the road afterwards. But, you know, that was the kind of person Angie was. She was always looking after everyone else and, and thinking of everyone else. And there was one, I suppose, I wish that Angie wanted was the three of us together before she died. And that was... Obviously, Thomas Shea wasn't... He, he didn't want to come down, you know, and I wasn't pushing any pressure on him. He could come down and, you know, he used to come down from school. My parents would bring him down. He'd spend time, you know, and he... You know, for him, it, it was just more of a coming in and say hi to mommy. And we did do a lovely... One of the last things she did as well, we did a lovely kind of um, hand print as a family portrait, I suppose. Um, and he did that, and it was amazing. The, the lady that was there doing it, and she was like, oh, do you want to call her that in? And she, he was like, no, no, no. And then just spoke up, will you call her me a picture? And he did it, you know, and it, it's... Gorgeous. Yeah, you know, he was obviously... He didn't want to do it, but at the same time, he was delighted he did it. You know, he still has it at home, and it's a part and part of our, of our, of yes. our life, you know. And one of the last wishes, as I mentioned a while ago, was her, just the three of us, one for, before she died. But obviously, Tom Shea wasn't there, so... Her sisters and her aunts were there every day, every night, and they were brilliant um, to come down and be there for her because they were a close family, you know, they were all close together, and she was special to them all, you know. And they went home. And then his last wish was just myself, Thomas Jay, and herself in the room. Uh, and I didn't, again, this didn't all click with me until later, maybe, you know, um, in the next day, maybe. But so that night, I was stood holding her hand all night as I did most of the nights and for the morning I, I, it could have been quarter to eight maybe or something like that that she took her last breath and obviously so so sad but I suppose from here I wanted to get home to Thomas Jay. so her sister was on her way down so obviously I left her come in and we, we, we left together and that night before she died the nurse came in and she she was asking how's Thomas Jay and I said you know he's great he you know, I was just spoke to him he's gone to bed now he's going forward to school tomorrow now Thomas Jay had not looked to not go to school any day for the whole time she was in the hospital mm. Wednesday night my mother rang me just after 12 o'clock Thomas Jay is awake he doesn't want to go to school tomorrow I didn't think of any of it at the moment at the time I didn't think of any of it so I said to my mother look don't worry about it leave him off yeah that was so he didn't go to school on the Thursday. She died on Thursday. I was driving home from, from I remember being in a dare, around about in a dare, and it clicked with me, like, you know, the first time that he didn't want to go to school. Yeah. It's like he knew that there was something yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I, I we just wanted to get home to him quick. I, I didn't think of, you know, obviously I rang the funeral director. I, I'd organised all about that and, and getting her, getting her home and stuff like that, you know. Um, there was another wish that Angela wanted which was or wasn't wanted but something that we always spoke about um, that she wanted one last night with us but I'll get to that in a few minutes but mm. so I got home with Thomas Jay um, obviously he was shocked to see me home on the, on a Thursday you know and I obviously called him into the hallway and I, I suppose I won't say I wasn't upset I was in survival mode at this stage you know I was right I need to get this done you know mm -hmm. I need to get the funeral we had her, Angela had our funeral planned. We we knew 
it wasn't the case that we didn't I was going in cold turkey I hadn't a clue what was going on we knew everything what was okay so that was easy I knew that who was under the coffin we knew who was standing we knew where she wants to be buried and so that was I knew that I suppose that's when I you I wasn't you had to execute yeah. all that so when I got to him it was more of a relief and a hug for me and I told him I said no look mommy's after dying you know and you know being so innocent he was like okay you know and I always remember even to my my parents and my brother were in the kitchen and he comes in mommy's dead and you know as if as if you know and that's the innocence of, of, of him you know absolutely yeah and um, he you know I suppose the whole the whole thing obviously was going back picking out the coffin um, where she was going to be buried um, I had to get a suit obviously it tidy myself up and you know because obviously I shaved it's the practicality <laughs> yeah it? then that all kicks in then yeah all these things um, the most devastating moment has happened and you have to go right let's go yeah. right I, I need to get a haircut I, I need to do this I yeah. need to do that and it's I normally crazy. I'm very good at doing things you know I, I didn't everything smoothly can I ask um, if you don't mind um, because you know personally as well you know my sister was a young mum mm. and she didn't want to speak about it much you know, so we didn't plan a funeral. Okay. <laughs> and like many people will relate to, it can be difficult when yeah. there's 7,000 opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And oftentimes, I suppose we think the ideal scenario would be if we would talk to our loved ones and tell them what we want. Mm. But that's hard to do. And I don't ever, you know, blame my sister. It was hard to go there, like, you know. Mm. Um, but Angela obviously went there. Yeah, we went there. We had a, we had many a laugh and many a chat about Did it. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Um, How like strong of her. It was, I suppose we were the same. We had a great wit about us, the two of us. We used to laugh about it, you know. Should we put a phone in the coffin and it, when some of the people come up, we say <laughs> something out of it. You know, things like that. And that was... It's, it's called dark humour. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's where we were, like, you know. And, and she used to say, if you see anyone at my funeral you don't like, punch him. Um, <laughs> you know, and... That yeah. was it. We spoke about it. We knew what I knew what her plan was. I knew what she wanted. You know, and did that, that that made it easier for you somewhat. Uh, yeah, I, I think I so. Yeah. You don't know because you didn't have it the other way. But uh, no, I, I suppose look, knowing what she wanted, you yeah, know, that's and she was never one for fuss. Like she even down to the casket, the cheapest one you can get. She said, "I don't care." Yeah, but that's good. That takes you a lot of pressure off you. Yeah, it does, Do you yeah. think like? Um, I suppose I'm veering off here now into Wonderland but you know people that have terminal illnesses mm. like do you encourage people to talk about it with their loved ones about I do because I think it's particularly hard I'm sure mm. you had many a conversation about <laughs> I shouldn't be getting upset here I'm supposed to be okay. holding it together but I find it difficult <laughs> I'll be honest but you know to talk about life when she was gone with mm. Thomas J was she able to go there I suppose she would have like we always thought Tom she had like mommy's going to die at some stage you know that she was getting treatment as long as it could help her yeah. you know and obviously when she went into Milford that's when he had to be told yeah you know all, all along it was being treatment to help mommy treatment yeah let mommy live as long as she can she won't get better we always told her she was never going to get better you know now we had and I suppose this is where Angela was an amazing person I didn't touch on it earlier but we had him in, in, in with a play therapist before her death, which was mm. Angie. Of course, I didn't think it would fucking if I was here. Yeah. Excuse my language. Well, we're, listen, here. we curse away here. We're all. <laughs> yeah, we, I suppose that was in place before he, before her death. So, you know, 
What a it woman. Was, she yeah, was really prepared, uh, yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, the lady I, I was speaking to recently, I've met her recently, so he's gone back again because we had ventured away from the country for yeah, 12 yeah. months or so. Um, but it helped him as well. Helped him to get, I suppose, the f- like kids don't know how to express themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, even some adults don't either. But mm. for kids, play therapy was brilliant for 100%, him. 100%, yeah. You know, it's his way of expressing his anger, you know. Even after her death, you know, she was brilliant. Um, she helped me and helped him, you know. Um, Do you think, like, for her, that she had a grieving period herself in knowing that she wasn't going to be here? She had two grieving, I suppose, grieving for her mom. That she, she couldn't, mm. she never got to grieve for her mom. Mm. That was the key thing. I, I think I always said to her that you never got to grieve for her mom. And then she got, she had obviously the cancer diagnosis and she was grieving that life that was taken away from us that she couldn't have. Even though we didn't, we might live the exact same way, but it was just taken away from her in that way, you know. Yeah. So there was that, and that. she never got to grieve properly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and like even for for me, grieving it's horrendous. You know. I, I Tell me about you know when Angela was gone, mm. and you said you know you were able to put it to one side, and from diagnosis all the way through, even mm. to that moment in the hall where you go right, I have to do this here. Mm. But I feel like, listening to you, it was trickling out. It's like a tsunami was ready to I come. had a breakdown in 2017. Mm. I hit rock bottom. I was all over the shop, suicidal, didn't know whether it was coming or going. I didn't know anything about feelings. Right. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And from uh, when I taught Angela, obviously with the help of some other people, um, that I was struggling. See, my problem was I didn't want to burden Angela because she was going through her own you know, journey. And it yeah. was, I suppose, stupid looking back at it now stupid because the minute I told her it was the best thing I ever did really yeah because I was able to get the help I was able to talk to her about things in open. do you mind me sitting with that for a second because mm. I can't tell you how many men and women need to hear this mm. they need to hear someone um, you were holding this in obviously yourself so possibly people didn't know how dark it was for you inside yeah, yeah and yeah. it was it dark yeah it was it was. It still is to this very day. Of course, I, yeah. I have a, a counsellor I speak to. I'm actually speaking to her tonight, actually. Yeah. And, and so you decided to tell Angela? When I taught her, yeah, um, with the help of some person told me, you know, I should tell Angela. And I remember we used to watch I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. And it was our thing, you know, we used to watch it. We missed it a few years because of our diagnosis. But we were sitting down this year to plan. And I taught her that Sunday night. I think it was Sunday night, yeah. And when I taught her, it was the best thing ever. Because... It lifted the thing off me that, that, you know what, okay, I can share that I'm struggling here as well. You know, that I'm not, not to be fair, it was my own fault in the sense that I, I, I didn't know what to do. I was just going with everything, you know. I used to, whatever diagnosis she was got, I'd just jump in and fight it with her and be there for two weeks later. I'm meeting rock bottom. I didn't know why, didn't know why, what it was. Get back up again, back down. You know, it was, I didn't know what it was. Didn't know how to manage it or anything um, like what, that. What did that feel like when you, when you say you hit rock bottom was it just did you feel like I, I just had I, enough I can't get up I yeah. don't want to get up I had enough you felt like I don't want to be here yeah, yeah. I've had that even recently I've, I've felt like that as well you know um, and they're just moments do, do they pass oh they do pass yeah because I'm, I'm looking that's the key isn't I, it I think I'm lucky now whereas I'll, I'll speak about it and I'll, I'll, I'll either post it on something that I, you know what I'm having a shit day and you know what this is how it's feeling you know or I'm lucky I have my counsellor who's brilliant 
and she'll you know what any good counsellor do she challenges me you know if I'm feeling sorry for myself she'll give me a good kick up the backside that I need that you know what you're doing better than what you think you're you know things are tough yes but you've X, Y and Z you know yeah when you go into that head of ours mm. you can really convince yourself my life is horrendous yeah, yeah. but there is you know and I'm not to be so bloody cliche and, and niche like the whole light darkness into light and all that mm. but I mean that's the thing we convince ourselves that there's no light and then there is light yeah. but we just but I, I'm not over you know I've struggled with depression myself I've been on medication mm. and it's all good and well people telling you that oh there's so much to be thankful for and get up but like you can't get up no. it's hard like no one can live your journey unless they're in your shoes I've said this to many people like you know certain people like that say oh, I should look you should have had this unless you've lived or seen what I've seen in the last since 2015 and it's left a scar on me that'll never never heal you know people talk about grief it'll you know oh you'll you'll, you'll move on you'll be great you'll do this and that and never I, I'm a firm believer that I'll be grieving for the rest of my life mm-hmm. you know and I back to what you said there a while ago I use the word people ask me how I'm doing and I or people say how things and I'll say it's shit and my counselor's like you know you're not really telling what it is maybe say you know what the grief is shit but you have you know other things that you enjoy and that's it's to find that balance and but it's impo- it, when you're in a, a situation where it's just it's so hard mm-hmm. you know when you're like I'm a single parent and I I single parents are the most amazing people you know I don't know how they do it because I, I struggle I haven't a clue what I'm doing at times and I think everyone else will admit they're all the same but you know but it's it's the hardest thing I've ever done is, is being a single dad because it's I'm grieving he's grieving we both clash we both have a he's his mommy's temper I have my own temper <laughs> <laughs> you know um, so it's 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 really hard it's 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 a really constant battle it is yeah like grief is it's not spoken about it you know people like I suppose the sometimes for me I think I should be doing better you know I think and that's me thinking society's thinking I should be doing better but I'm doing fine where I am I don't need to be anywhere else I'm doing what I can do to survive and I tell that to people like if you're getting up every day fair play to you you know, and that's like I get up every day, and I'll be honest with you, there's days where I don't want to get up. But my fella, who's <laughs> who's 11 years of age, are like, Dad, I want to go to town for sausage rolls, or Dad, this, I want this, I want that, I want that. You know, and he's the reason, and I, I mentioned you earlier on, he's the reason that I'm still going. You know, he's the reason I get up every day. You know, and that's what keeps me going is knowing that he's there to get me. <laughs> going you know obviously there's parts of me then where I, I there's I'm not all doom and gloom like I, I enjoy you know certain things um, like I enjoy going to hurling games you know they're they help me so much I, I can't tell people how much that helps you know and it's something that other people will have interest in like you could have interest in music going to you know things like that or yoga or things ain't but it's to find something that you like doing as well as important I think mm. 100%. Because uh, when I when we moved to the UK for about 10 months or 12 months, it was brilliant because it was the first time the two of us got to spend time together 
just the two of us away from people that were there for us. Mm-hmm. So it was just two of us to build that bond and stuff like that and it was tough. But I missed I missed having the support. I missed having things I could do that I, I enjoyed doing. Mm. And they were all helping me in my journey. Um, and I'm back doing certain things that are helping me on my journey. Grief is, is non-stop. It doesn't stop any day. No. What do you think about, um, you know, when the dust settles and, and things quieten down and you're living with this grief and carrying this grief, do you think that there is silence around it? Do you think people are afraid to say anything to you? I mean, particularly being a man, do you find like people go, how are you doing or how are things or or is it, is it quiet? No, people ask you all things, but it's not how, how things. Thomas. Yeah, they'll, they'll, Thomas J. they'll ask things like they don't really want to know. Yeah. I remember I worked when I was working and I remember going through a certain journey when Angela was sick and there was a guy at the counter and he asked, well, how are things? How's everything? I said, you want to know the truth or do you want me to tell you lies? He's like, OK. He didn't want to know either. Because don't, don't tell me the truth. Then. Yeah. You know, because some people can't handle it. That's a great bloody thing to say back to people. <laughs> do you want to know? <laughs> no. Do you want to know and the most truth? Most people go, no. Yeah. And I, I suppose that's where I'm uh, that's very... That's disappointing though, isn't it? That is like... Uh, it is. It let's is. Let's be honest. Yeah, look, since Angela's date, amount of people that, you know, you meet throughout the, the funeral and they'll be like, oh, I'll be there, I'll be, drop a message. And there's people I met that day that I've yet to meet since that, since then, and that's coming up four years. Um, That's something that's hard to understand and take as well. And I know that, and I've said this to Thomas Shea, even to a certain degree about certain things, I said like, mommy will be very disappointed. I know. Yeah. You know. I get that. Um, I get that. People send fire off messages. I don't think people are evil. Or, you know, I think they have good intentions, but this is just my take on it. I think that they say things to comfort themselves. Yes. Tick a box. Mm-hmm. And they say, now, you know, I'm here if ever you need me. But what does that mean? Like, I'm not going to text you at 12 at night when I'm in a bad way. It's more like. And they, I feel like they feel like it has to be this big production and I have to name it and I have to say. But they could just say, you know, um, I'm going to the park. Does Thomas J want to come with us? Yeah. Or how are you? Do you want to go for a pint yeah. or whatever? Yeah. No, I don't drink. So it's not good to me. This is the second time I've done this in this podcast. <laughs> I'm so presumptuous. That drink, everyone I don't drinks. drink. Or, I don't drink or smoke. <laughs> but, I um, said it to the last lady. I was like, go for a drink now after this. She's like, I don't drink. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I need to. I'm mad, no, I'm mad enough without it. So I don't need it. <laughs> But I think, you know, I think if people were more like, you know what, I haven't a clue what to say. Yeah. I'm not great with these things, but if you need to drop a message anytime, please do. You'd you'd appreciate that more than saying, you know, I'll be in contact yeah. and you hear nothing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. No. Because then you're let down, aren't you? Yeah, and look, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I don't really care about that. No. You know, um, but like, even for Thomas J, you know, certain people that were in his life, you know that are not there and he you know he asked questions where were they gone I said I don't know I do you know get frustrated I, I had a little frustration with him recently about certain thing and he, he you know he understood it and I didn't want to go there but he understood it and he was like I understand did he oh. you know but like I just had to get it all the way because I was sick of being doing doing it just to suit that you know that yeah, thing, yeah, like, you know yeah, and yeah. I was I just had enough yeah you know, yeah. I'm sick of being, you know, kind of trying to please people and stuff like that. I'm still trying to, I suppose, the way I look at it is we were two ordinary people. 
and I want to uh, I'm hoping to at some stage write write a book about our story incredible um, it's to be fair that I, I'm not sure what way to go at the minute I, I'm still too, you know I have a lot going on that I'm trying to still trying to manage myself but I'd love to tell two ordinary people's story with a son obviously just you know we're ordinary people you hear about all the famous people who died from cancer you never hear of Mary down the road or how um, how do you feel you're you're doing now yourself do you feel like you're more you sound to me like a man who's who's doing a lot of work on himself which I think is bloody brilliant because it's paying off you're able you have a real strength in you that you mightn't even hear yourself mm. that you're able to sit with and talk about these things a lot of people yeah my doctor said that to me recently but that's brilliant um, I'm not look I'm not doing great there's no point me saying that okay no, I'm not. No, I, like I, I'm still battling this. I, I, as I said, even before coming up today, I had my counselor appointment. Even you know, yeah. Um, this is my, I do it every two or three weeks. Yeah. You know, um, because there's other things bothering me. You know, it's not just you know I have the grief thing, which is the up there in the top, which is the hardest thing. But then I have other things. You know, you're dealing with Thomas Jade reporting. He's going through so much. You know, things that people don't see. That they see a happy child. When they're when he's at home and he's crying at night time, I miss my mummy, I don't have my mummy to cuddle me. I can't I can't go in and cuddle him. I can give him a cuddle, but it's not the same as mummy's cuddle, you know. Or, you know, why isn't this you know, why is this happening, Daddy? Why, you know, you get angry over a certain thing, but it's not the certain thing that's causing the anger, it's certain something else. It's the cancer diagnosis. It. It's you know, seeing his daddy suffers. You know, and I I'm very open and honest with Thomas J. I'll say, Look, Thomas J, I'm having a bad day today. I, you know, I miss mommy. You know, I've thinking about her a lot. You know, and he mightn't understand it fully, but he knows kind of okay. Daddy's struggling today, but that's that's behind the scenes that people don't. They just see two of us maybe driving around in the car and we're smiling and laughing about something or we're talking, but behind it all, there's as I said back to you know you asked me how I'm doing. It is a battle, you know, and as I said, there's other things that you're daily other things that you're trying to manage and cope as well, you know, and it's it all. Adds up to you know, and back to my doctor. You, my doctor keeps saying to me, "You're doing brilliant." I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> you know. You know, everyone that comes on here kind of really teaches me something, and I feel like just in that moment there, when I said to you, it's almost like we. Uh, I, I'm talking for myself here, but it's almost like we want people. Like, what if we, we want people to to say? It's like the end goal is you have to be eventually great however you get there I need you to be great because even I just said to you and come here how are you doing because you seem great and it's like come on be great and it's like you just said to me I'm not great and what if we all went okay you're not great that's okay you you don't have to be you don't have to be I think the more we fight against it, it's like, oh, God, come on, we have to get you great at some point. And oh, well done you for talking about the hard times, but you've got to get to be great. Mm. But what if you don't need to be great? What if Mm. you're just like, this is what I am? Meet meet me where I'm at. Yeah, this is where this is my life. I'm worse now than I was three years ago. Yeah, but that's okay. is 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 the point. Like, I shouldn't be saying, oh, God, well, like, how are we going to fix that? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just keep working on myself and and keep talking to my counsellor and keep getting the help that I need yeah. you know and try and get Thomas J the help that he needs because he needs it as well you know, this isn't just about me obviously I have to be right and I have to get the help myself to help myself but he needs help as well because two years time and three years time he's a teenager and you know that's when as you know things can go 
one way or another. And my aim is obviously to try and help him cope with all the the frustration, the anger of the whole thing. He's grieving, you know, he's grief. Mm. He doesn't fully understand grief, mm-hmm. you know, that we, no, I don't think anyone fully understands grief. But, you know, for a kid, it's a lot harder, you know. At least we can talk about it. He's getting help for him is important as well. So there's that things, you know, back to how I'm doing. Like, that's in my mind. I have to make sure he's okay. I have to make sure that little things that even taking him to the dentist. He needs a dentist appointment. You know, them yeah. little things that, are, that yes. are all important. To get the time to do these things, you know. And I, for myself, I need to be out doing something to feel good and to feel happy. And that might sound like people say, oh, well, you're not happy at home. I'm happy at home, yes. But that will help me. To be oh, a be- really? Yeah, and be a better person is actually get out and do something. Yeah. And whether that's... Because it brings enjoyment into life and it's it hard to find a lot of enjoyment when you've been through what you've been through. Yeah. So yeah. it brings a bit of, of lightness and happy. It does actually bring happiness to yeah, go to a match. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I'm sure you felt a lot of joy a couple I, of weeks ago. Uh, look, we've, we've <laughs> I've had four years of, of us winning all Ireland's long may continue because it's... You know, Lifeline for you. It is. It's the one thing that has kept me going. Um, to be honest with you, it's the one thing I love going to and enjoying. I even got to a few club games the last few weeks as well, just to get out and enjoy him. And Thomas J comes with me, and he goes down and plays with some random kids that he's never met in his life. But he's he comes back and he has a ball. You know, he loves it. He's enjoying it. He mightn't remember who's playing. He can't even know the result, but that's fine. He's happy as well. Isn't it? Know? It's probably powerful, isn't it? Like the the, the sport, whatever the sport may be, mm. soccer, GA, whatever. They have no idea that there's a man up there in the stands that is giving them yeah. a reason, right? Mm. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. Keep, it's keeping you going. Keep me going, yeah. Wow. That's the 100%, like I, I said that, to, I don't know, it must have been my counsel that that's going to games is, is my, is helping me. I'm back doing coaching now, which I had planned to do this year with my local club. Um, and I you know what, I'm glad I did it. Because now I'm enjoying it again. Mm. Now I'm coaching Thomas J, which I'm going to be a bit harder on, but <laughs> but that's all part. But I'm actually happy that I did it now. Well I was in you. two minds the last few weeks, months. I was even talking to my counselor about it. I'm glad I did it now. I'm glad I'm back in doing it, and we can, you know, I, I can help him. You know, because I I just I enjoy coaching because I can just help him and give him a voice. You know, that's the key. And they're only under twelves, but I keep telling them. I said to them last night. You're not happy with something, you tell me or tell the other coach. We're here to listen. We're not going to dismiss you. You know, it's to help mm-hmm. them because I don't know what they're going through in life. I don't know what they're going through at home. But I want them to come down and feel like they can express themselves on the field and be able to chat about, you know, as a team. You know, so that's my plan for you're coaching. really um that's really, 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 really important because you're nurturing young children mm. and young boys. And Making it, you're normalising talking about when you're having a tough time. Yeah. I suppose just before we finish, I suppose I'm just thinking now, I just feel like, you know, if there were a man listening to you, not, they don't necessarily have to have lost, you know, a wife or, but that is really, really struggling. Um, and that's maybe hitting rock bottom, like mm. you said that you did. What, what would you say to them? Talk. Talk to the closest person to you. Be open. Be honest. Tell other people you're, you know what, not great. You know, it's the stigma of we can't talk. We should be able to talk. We have a voice. When we're at home, we probably talk. You know, so if you're out and if someone asks you how you're doing, 
Do what? Jeez, I had a tough day. What does that do for you? Just do, do you feel like just doing that is enough? It's it helps. Don't think it's enough. Yeah. So you know, but I think it's the first step. It's a step. And keep talking and find something that you enjoy doing. You know, that'll help you, you know, to get out. And like for me, when Angela died, I didn't have anything really to go out and do. And to be fair, a few of the lads from the local soccer club brought me back down into it. And then I got stuck into it. Obviously, Thomas Jay was playing. And I found my love for that. And that helped me. That club helped me. My club helped me cope and manage and come to terms with grief, even though I was still grieving. But, it, it, you know, I was going down maybe a Tuesday night, sitting up and enjoying it for them hour or two hours that I was down there. And if you can find something like that, that'll help you. You, you don't have to be happy every day. Mm. But if you have this happiness for a few hours, it'll just help you. You know what? Enjoy it. And you can go down, you can come away and you think, that was great all day. Yes, you can go home and still have a hard day, but you know what? Them two hours help. Because maybe you go home and you're saying, oh, I'll go for sure and go to bed because I'm wrecked. Because it, it's the energy as well, because you have so much, you have low energy. Yeah. Do you know, you have no energy to fight at all. You feel a success when you go to sleep. You're kind of like, oh, I didn't need to, I didn't need to count sheep tonight to try and go to sleep. You know, I'm just mm. wrecked because I enjoy, I put something into something I enjoy. Yeah. So talking and just getting out there. If you can get out, like... And continue to talk. It's just in to there. Yeah, it's not in there. And, and ask for help, I suppose. If you're a counsellor, you're a big advocate yeah, for that. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you can find a counsellor, like everyone again has this, you know, this thing of, oh, counsellor. They're amazing. I, I, I've had yeah. a few, and, and I must say the one I have now at the moment is, is brilliant because she knows she can challenge me. I will not, you know, I'm that one for lying to her. I, she knows straight away like that. Like if I come on and tell her I'm, you know, this and that, she's like, right, you need to do this, <laughs> you know. So but it's, you need to look around, don't you, a little bit? Because the do. first one could, oh, you could get a wrong one, one and go, oh, oh God, I don't like that I style one, at all. I had one that, Christ almighty, the dog at home would have done a better job. You know, looking looking back at it, yeah. at the time, I thought it was great, but no, it was worse. Good for you that you kept going. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so look, I think if we can, any person listening in, especially men, just be open, be honest, and just, you know, keep talking about it because grief and depression and anxiety and all that is... is it's hard. It's hard it's, going. It's, it's hard when it's here on your shoulders, mm. but when it's also inside in your heart. Yeah. Like to try and get it out a little bit. Yeah. Helps. Yeah. It only helps, even if it only helps one percent. It helps. You know. Um, Thomas, you've been absolutely incredible. Thank you for having me. I really mean that. You're just a powerful story, and as you said, it's your ordinary person. Yeah. Always my favorite people to talk to because everyone's ordinary. Yeah. Um, but oh God, just thank you for being so honest and so open. And I wish you um, continued success and thank you. Keep spreading that message that you're yeah. doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. No worries. Thank you. I was honestly so moved by Thomas's story. Navigating life after the loss of a partner and. Raising a child alone is so hard and, you know, at times it's so tremendously lonely. But I think by him being so open about what he and I'm sure so many others go through, it removes so much stigma and brings a real truth to many people's reality. It was honestly so refreshing to hear it being spoken about. If you enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe or follow, rate and share it with your friends. And I will speak to you next time. 
I'm here recording the podcast today at GK Media Studios. Um, it's a professional state-of-the-art recording studio on the outskirts of Galway City. Um, it's very close to Boston Scientific and I suppose all I can say is that if anyone is interested in, in like, like myself, recording a podcast or doing webinars, voiceovers for adverts, audiobooks, documentaries, whatever it is, it's it's just a fantastic studio. There are brilliant people in here and you can visit them on gkmedia.ie to find out more and how to get in touch.